Brian, we took a seven-figure hit. I mean, we took yeah. a, a seven-figure devastating hit, um, yeah. but it's short-term. So uh, my wife and I do one word every year. And so we focus on one word. And ironically, I still have my 2021 on, but uh, my word was optimism. Her word was gratitude. What great words for 2020 going into it, you know? <laughs> so, good. so my word was optimism. So I was like, all right. And she even called me out that first day. I was like, what is it going to do? She's like, Jesse, just look at your word. I go, yep, we're going to be great. <laughs> Optimistic. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Year of the Pivot on the Beyond Networking Podcast. This season, we're learning from individuals and organizations who made monumental shifts in 2020 in order to keep their business alive and continue the mission. I'm your host, Brian Miller, an author, speaker, and consultant on human connection. Today's featured pivoter is Jesse Cole. Jesse is the owner of the Savannah Bananas, a collegiate summer league baseball team based in Georgia. Here's a few facts about the bananas. They only sell one ticket and it's all inclusive. Their players perform choreographed dances every game. They're the only baseball team to play in kilts. Their coaching staff includes a nine-year-old and a grandma. <laughs> they have a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas. <laughs> Their stadium is the first ever ad-free ballpark no advertising they've sold out every game since their first season and jesse is known as the man in the yellow tux because well he wears a yellow tux not just sometimes but always i've been following jesse's journey for years we were originally connected through Ron Holt, the founder and CEO of the national franchise Two Maids in a Mop, who appeared on the podcast back in season two. Jesse speaks and writes about leadership and service. He hosts the Business Done Differently podcast, and he wrote the book Find Your Yellow Tux. In this conversation, Jesse takes me through the absolute devastation of taking a seven-figure loss in response to COVID back in March of 2020. Not only did the Bananas survive the hit, not only did they keep every single staff member employed, but they literally reinvented the sport of baseball in the process. This interview is hilarious, it's enlightening, it's moving, it's inspiring. You'll learn how Jesse's fans first philosophy inspired the most innovative period of his entrepreneurial journey, an award-winning entrepreneurial journey, mind you. You'll learn how he and his wife Emily's history of crushing setbacks prepared him for this historic moment, and you'll learn how you can lead your business, community, or family with selflessness and generosity. Check the show notes for all the ways to connect with Jesse. Head to yearofthepivot.com for the Pivot Power newsletter. Get notified when a new episode drops, the Pivot Pearl of the Week, and gain access to exclusive live streams, masterminds, and clubhouse get-togethers. And now I bring you the man in the yellow tux himself, Jesse Cole. This episode was made possible by Riverside.fm. Capture full, high-quality, raw audio in up to 4K video natively and without any internet interruptions. That's right. Even if the internet blips out during the live call, your recording remains pristine. 
Head to Riverside.fm for your free trial and a big thank you for sponsoring Year of the Pivot. Jesse, I I can't thank you enough for being here. Uh, You mentioned you just came off of doing a keynote, so I can't imagine how you're going to keep your energy up. But looking at you, I I believe it'll be possible. I have a feeling you'll be fine with the energy level. Thanks for being here. Uh, I'm excited to be with you. It's it's very simple. If you do things that give you energy, you have energy. This gives me energy. So I'm I'm excited to be with you again, my friend. That is that is such a good. Uh, I love that. I want that on a. I want that on a wallpaper on my computer. I think I want to stare at that every day. If you do things that give you energy, you have energy. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, good. I just. I don't know. It's not a quote I have anywhere. I just. I when I. I actually created an energy list, and so I looked at all the things that give me energy, not the things I like, the things that give me energy. And in my day, being on shows, doing a virtual keto, sharing, teaching, talking, you know, entertaining, yeah. that brings me energy. So the more I do that, the more I have fun. So this. Uh, yeah, that works <laughs> for whatever that's, quote you want to make out of it. Run with it, man. That's awesome. Well, you know, like they would like comedians, my friends in comedy would say, actually, I've been saying that for a while now. I've been saying that for a while. Now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I own it. Yeah, of course. That's what it is. <laughs> so uh, so before we get into your kind of your background, your story, your pivot story and all that stuff, what are you working on right now this week? What's on your plate? What's on your mind? Ooh, this week, um, this week, we are in the middle of our uh, One City World Tour, uh, finalizing those plans. So for us, part of our big pivot was when everyone was saying, hey, you just play a certain season and this is what it is. Can we actually play year round? And can we actually take our show on the road in the middle of a pandemic, which is crazy. Um, so we are in the process of uh, making some big announcements and putting tickets on sale. And the wait list is already over 1500 people for tickets, which is really exciting. Holy cow. Okay, so so then then back up. Anybody listening to this watching this will have heard my, you know, 1 minute intro of kind of who you are and yeah. what you do, although you like so many people I know are hard to pin down in 1 minute uh, in terms of a, a background. So you are referring here this tour to the Savannah Bananas. Yes. Yes, the only baseball okay. team named after a fruit. And the only team that has a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas. And yes, the team that has the breakdancing first base coach and banana pep band and male cheerleading team. Yes, that crazy circus-like team, the banana, the Savannah Bananas. That's, it's just unreal. So so talk us through for people who think that we're kidding. Uh, maybe they're just listening to the <laughs> audio and they don't see um, how you are the banana. Uh, you know, talk us through the Savannah Bananas, how you came to the to the to the team, who, who they are. Even people really right now don't even really know what sport yeah. they are, unless I mentioned it in the intro, which I'm sure I did. Uh, yeah, and that's okay. We're not in the uh, baseball business, as some people would say. We're in the entertainment business, and uh, so yeah. I mean, how it came to be, uh, like anything, uh, a bunch of failures mixed with creativity and experimentation mixed with luck, and so that's. Uh, you know, how we started, I mean, in reality, I started with the team in Gastonia, North Carolina, 23 years old, and uh, the team was the worst team in the country. So I got the job as a general manager because no one wanted the job. So I was 23. There was only 200 fans coming to the games, uh, $268 in the bank account my first day, I remember it vividly. And there were three full-time employees and payroll was on Friday. And I was running that team. And so uh, I learned very quickly what the, pra- the challenges with baseball was and that people thought it was long, slow, and boring. And it wasn't entertaining. It wasn't fun. And why would they come see a low-level baseball team? You know, that's not what we get the best at. So we said, why don't we make it a circus? Why don't we make it a show? And so we started trying things like having our players do choreographed dances during the games, uh, you know, having grandma beauty pageants, um, you know, literally, you name it, we tried it. 
And uh, lo and behold, that team got successful and we started selling out games. And I said, let's take on the next big opportunity. And so, you know, I was in my early 30s. My wife was in her late 20s. And, you know, most people at that point were buying, you know, iPads and iPhones. And we said, let's buy a brand new baseball team. And so we, we bought an expansion team uh, in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, there was professional baseball there for 90 years. And, you know, Babe Ruth played there back in the 1920s and 1930s. Hank Aaron, Lou Gehrig. But the team had failed. And, you know, that, you know, five, six, seven years ago, there was no one coming to games for this minor league team. Uh, they were, it, were struggling. So they left, they left town and we came in and said, we'll take it over. And lo and behold, in the first three months, we sold two total tickets <laughs> Two. it was oh like a donation. God. I mean, it was bad because people were like, who are these guys? You know, we hadn't done anything to earn their, them as fans. And so uh, it got so bad that on January 15th of 2016, I'll never forget the day. It was a Friday, 4.45 p.m. I got a phone call that we overdrafted our account. We were completely out of money. And uh, I was at my best friend's wedding. And Emily turns to me, I think, like, in between just having an appetizer, like, what are we going to do? And she turns and says, Jesse, we just have to sell our house. And so we had our dream house and uh, in Charlotte near our team in Gastonia. And we sold it, emptied out our savings account, and we're sleeping on an airbed. And uh, we said, we got to make this work. And so we said, we got to go over the top, create attention. You know, we believe if you want to get the eyes, if you want to get the hearts of your fans, you have to first get the eyes and the ears. So we uh, named the team after a fruit and came up with all those crazy things and made every single ticket all inclusive. Because, again, every ticket includes all your burgers, your hot dogs, your chicken sandwiches, your soda, your water, your popcorn, everything, your ticket for $15 when we started. We're like, we're just going to create a value that's crazy to get people in the door. And once they came in and they saw, you know, the break dancing first base coach and they saw the players dancing and they saw the fun. Uh, they started telling everybody and lo and behold, we ended up selling out every single game and have a wait list for tickets in the thousands. And now we're taking the show on the road, the one city world tour. So I think that's bringing it all back together. Man. Oh man. I mean, there was so many emotions. I, I, uh, I'm, I, because I just finished watching this, the bachelorette last season and we're about to start the bachelor. I almost said roller coaster of emotions and I checked myself. Um, I, that's so crazy. I mean, I don't think I've ever had to take a an emotional risk as scary as let's sell our house. I mean, I took lots of risks when I was single and, you know, before I'd met Lindsay, who's now my wife, you know, when I was trying to build a career as a magician, I starved for days on end, uh, you know, I mean, starved, right? I mean, I ate almost nothing, you know, as, as little as I could, yeah. you know, for days on end to make ends meet. But I, I cannot imagine going through that. And so you're, you're no stranger to, uh, to pivots, to, to creative risks, to adaptability, mm -hmm. to resilience. Uh, obviously these are things that you've built up over the course of your, your life and your career already. So then take me back then to, to March, to the moment, cause you obviously have a good memory for details and, <laughs> and what you were thinking. I, I lived it. Do you yeah. keep a di do you keep a diary or a journal? Yeah, you I, seem like the kind of person who would. Yeah. I write every day. Um, you know, my yeah. first year of marriage. So I actually, when we got the keys to Savannah on October 5th, uh, 2015, my wife and I actually got married on October 10th. And so what I did that year is I said, I wanted to, at the end of the year, give her a gift uh, called our first year. And I was going to write in a journal about our, our life, our marriage, our love, everything, every single day. And so at the last day of the year, so that was the year that we had to sell our house, empty out our savings account. So I remember everything I was feeling. Um, I remember literally, as you're talking about, you know, trying to find food, I remember going to Walmart with her uh, and we said, we have $30 to eat for this whole week. 
And so what are we going to do with $30 to eat for this whole week? And I remember the food wasn't even real food. It wasn't just Hot Pockets were almost too expensive. We were getting like these, you know, things that you, it was, it was brutal. It was brutal. I mean, not just ramen noodles, but it was like, you know, things in cardboard boxes that you got to heat up with water. I mean, it was nasty. Yeah. Um, but we went through that. So, so yeah. So to answer your question, uh, yeah, we went through the the experience and then in March, uh, it, it almost happened again. And so, you know, it being, we were about to announce the season was sold out again. You know, our season doesn't start till June. I think we had, uh, you know, maybe 10,000 le- tickets left to sell. So we were a couple of weeks out from selling out the season before the season. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was surprising. Here's what we did, Brian. This was crazy. So on February 25th, uh, yeah, I remember these dates because they're February, t- February 25th was the day that we announced the Savannah Bananas. And that was the day in 2016 that it changed for my wife and I, because we got attention. We were number one trending on Twitter that day, uh, merchandise all over the world, even though the first shipment of t-shirts came in and there were too many N's in bananas. We spelled bananas wrong in our first shipment of t-shirts. So we messed up that doesn't one. All, doesn't everybody. It was, it was brutal. So we messed up that one. And locally, we started getting hearing for everyone. The owner should be thrown out of town. You guys are an embarrassment to the city. What does bananas have to do with Savannah? You're ruining our city. I mean, it was brutal. So I remember all that vividly. By the way, a year later, we did a mean tweet video and actually shared all those in a mean tweet video. Most those people end up buying tickets, which is hilarious. Whole nother aside, whole nother aside. So, uh, so yeah, so we, we went through that and going into naming the team and all the craziness. So, uh, come March, you know, we were ready to have another monster year. And on February 25th, the four year anniversary of name the team, we said, we're going to announce something else crazy. Uh, we're creating the first ever ad free stadium. And so we eliminated all ads from our ballpark. Because we believe that's fans first. We don't believe anybody comes to the ballpark to be advertised to, sold to, or marketed to. So we said, before the pandemic, we even knew about it happening. We said, let's throw away hundreds of thousands of dollars for goodwill for our fans. So we threw hundreds of thousands of dollars away. And then we surprised our team with a trip to Disney the next week. So we spent thousands of dollars on a trip to Disney. Hey, guys, what you guys have done, this has been amazing. We're going into a big year. We want to learn a little bit from Disney, but have fun. They took our spouses, significant others. So we're in Disney World on March 5th. Put it in perspective. We come back March 12th. We're ready to go. Pandemic. March 13th, my birthday. I'm sitting at home wondering, what are we going to do? And uh, yeah, I remember, I remember daily. We, I remember March 13th, man. I'll never forget March 13th, 2020, as long as I live. Yeah. And either will I for many reasons. Um, So So, yeah, yeah, that's what happens. So you're thinking, so you're thinking, what do we do? I mean, you know, but okay. After the initial, cause I, I'm sure you and I did pretty much the same thing for that day or two. I think I spent two days staring at the wall catatonically. Um, and then after that, what, what happened next? What was your first instinct? Your first thought? So uh, my wife and I do one word every year. And so we focus on one word. And ironically, I still have my 2021 on, but uh, my word was optimism. Her word was gratitude. What great words for 2020 going into it, you know? So, good. so my word was optimism. So I was like, all right. And she even called me out that first day. I was like, what is it going to do? She's like, Jesse, just look at your word. I go, yep, we're going to be great. <laughs> Optimistic. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, so um, so for us, what, what it realized is, you know, we still had a little bit of money in the bank. And what I did was I, I told the team the first thing I said, guys, no one's losing their job. I don't know when we're going to play. Everyone's canceling their season. Uh, teams are announcing that they're letting, letting people go left and right. I mean, we're in the live entertainment business. You know, 90% of our business is built on people coming together. in a it, That's what we do. And so I told I said, guys, we're in this together. Do you know me and Emily sacrificed back five years ago? We'll do it again. We have opportunity. We'll do it again. We're in this together. But right now, you're not a ticket salesperson. You're not a, you're not a merch director. You're not... Every one of us, our job is to be fans first and entertain always. That's our mission, fans first and entertain always. And I go, so right now, 
We need to all come up with ideas on what we are going to do to entertain and be there for our fans. It's going to be in a different way. So we had an idea palooza, which we do every month. And we said, what are we going to do to entertain our fans digitally to keep them engaged, but also just bring joy, happiness, and fun. And it was amazing what happened. The ideas were so outrageous. I mean, the first thing we did, we did a dancing with myself music video the Billy Idol. So all of our staffs at home, I was grabbing a plunger and literally doing air guitar singing, dancing with myself. We sent that out to all of our fans say, hey, we're here having fun. And then we said, guys, we'd love to have you in our own music video. So our famous dance that everyone does at the stadium, we sent out to all of our database said, be a part of the Hey Baby music video, shoot yourself at home, send it to this Google Drive, and we're going to make it happen. So then all of our fans are in a music video with us. Then we started filming ourselves at home cooking with the bananas. None of our staff can cook, but we said, let's get you to understand who we are as people behind the brand. And all of our staff cooked live on Facebook Live. We started doing music trivia with our announcer. We started doing coloring books for the kids. And we all came in this together. And we said, there's no revenue but we're going to entertain. We're going to be there. And our engagement went through the roof. But I said, guys, while we're doing this, I just want to let you know, we are going to play. We're going to play this year. We're going to find a way. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know what it's going to look like, but we will find a way because we always find a way. And I said that to the group and I said, oh, sure, Jesse, yeah, sure. I go, guys, well, I want you to picture this. When we have an opening night, I don't know what, how many people are going to be there, but we're going to have people there. And when we have it, it's not going to be one person on the field singing the national anthem. Every single person in the stadium, our players, our coaches, our staff, we're going to stand and we're going to sing that national anthem together. And you're going to get goosebumps and you're never, ever, ever going to forget that moment that we brought people back together and did this and brought that joy and happiness. That's what we're working towards. And we painted that picture. And uh, on July 1, we were the first team we played in front of fans. We all sang together and it was a moment I'll never forget. Wow. I mean, that is... <sighs> See, there's so much power there. I mean, there's so many different places to go with that, but there's so much power. What, what, what stuck out to me is a few things. First, that you said just nobody's getting fired. Nobody's getting let yeah. go. And being able to say that, even if you didn't know how that was going to work yet, to be able to, you're not, I mean, because you're fans first, but you were also our people first, well, right? Who, who, are, was, who, are, oh my God, who are our biggest fans? Your own employees, right? Internally, right. we know our fans, right. and that's why we surprised them with trips and do that. So we knew that was our goal, our right. first priority. But yes, right. You got it. Well, okay. So that 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 no, but that that absolutely makes sense. So your your first priority was making sure that these people that we that they feel safe, that they feel taken care of, that they feel seen, yes. and you did that for them, and then you were able to use, and then they had the energy to help you push that out to the wider fan base, the people who pay tickets and come, um, and I mean. Did you have a moment? I mean, it sounds great when you when you tell it, right? You can when you connect the yeah, dots looking yeah. backwards. I mean, but as you were moving through it, did you have moments when you were like, this is all fun and it's great on in theory, but how are we actually going to turn the corner on this yeah. like as a business? Yeah. At some point we need to generate money, right? I mean, it just yeah. has to be there at some I point. I mean, so we we, you know, our uh, our finance director who started as an intern, who was our ticket experience coordinator. So he actually was all about experience. Then he's like, I really he took accounting, he loves it. So he started learning finance. We got together and we said, "All right, let's do this together. Let's start making phone calls because we need to find ways to save money in every way possible, but, but we will not touch our team." And so I remember being on the phone with T-Mobile, being on the phone with every every single, our car, we had a car lease, everything, and just negotiating, negotiating, negotiating. And, you know, we told them, we're going to pay, we're going to pay, we're just, we need help right now. And so we did that. And it was, we, you know, we only had merchandise revenue for mm. two months, 
There was no ticket revenue. We eliminated sponsorship revenue. So there was only merchandise revenue. So we were, you know, deep, deep, deep in the red. And for our company, we are also, you know, you go in the red a little bit, January, December, and March, because there's no games. You're, you're not, you already have most of your ticket revenue. So we were just going into this and just bleeding, bleeding, bleeding. Um, but, you know, we realized, I think we just had that um, idea that if we get to play, if we could find a way to play, even with a small capacity, we can have some new forms of revenue that can come in that will be okay. But Brian, we took a seven figure hit. I mean, we took yeah. a, a seven figure devastating hit, um, yeah. but it's short term, you know, focus on long term fans over short term profits. Yeah. We knew in the scheme of things, this was so short term that if we could just get through it, just like my wife and I got through having to sell our house. So for us, because we went through that, we had the resiliency and the muscle to be able to say, you know what, two, three, four, five months, it's okay. We're not going to be the company we were back then, but how can we be better? And that's where we started yeah. pivoting. Well, that, and I'm, and I'm sure, I mean, it, it's hard to talk to anybody in, in our world, in kind of speaker world, who's not a fan of Simon Sinek, um, and, and, you know, uh, having him, having released the infinite game, you know, yeah. last yes. year, that's, that's yeah. a lot of what I'm hearing in you right now is that kind of infinite minded thinking. And I, it makes me think about how, you know, I remember the days when I was um, an up and coming entertainer, a magician. I remember the days when I was broke and I didn't and I broke down on the floor and I didn't was sobbing by myself and didn't know how I was going to pay my rent. But what's funny about that is that I remember those days, but that's all. I just remember them I'm like, oh, yeah, that happened. In that moment, I thought it was the end of my life, the end of my career. It was never going to work. But when I look at it over a 16-year career, it was just a couple of days, a couple of months maybe. There were some bad months. One year that probably wasn't great overall. But, you know, in in, in the grand scheme of things, it's just it. those moments are so finite when you look at them as part of an infinite play. And, yeah. Yeah, I just – I, I want to I, I agree with you so much here because I learned that from my father. And so I think a lot of times, you know, who are your mentors? I have a PT Barnum and Walt Disney, but my father is the most positive person in the world. And long story short, I was an only child. Uh, my parents got divorced. My mother had a drug problem. My father fought to, to get me and did an amazing job and gave me more love than I ever imagined. Um, and he also taught me that they, he goes, Jesse, swing hard in case you hit it. And every time I came up to bat, he taught, said that swing hard in case you hit it. And I swung harder than ever, which by the way, is probably the best advice in anything you go for, like swing hard in case you hit it. So he taught me so much, but um, in 2013, he uh, battled two forms of cancer. And I mean, like uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, he had the size of like a little a pear right outside his liver. And it was really bad. And he had to be in the hospital every single day. And I wasn't able to be with him every day. And I, I called him every single day. And I said, Dad, Dad, how you doing? And, and, and he would say, I'm great, Jesse, I'm great. I go, it's just gonna, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be a, a, a interesting spring, but summer's gonna be great. And every single day he said that. And then I remember one day, and I'll never forget, um, I, talk, I asked him, how was he doing? Like, like always. And he didn't say great, he said good. And I found out from my stepmother, they said, you know, he had the stem cell and he was throwing up every single second, like nonstop all day. He didn't know he was, I mean, it was bad. He wouldn't tell me that he said, good. He said, good. And then a few months later, all of a sudden he's done cancer free that the doctor said it was the most positive patient they've ever dealt with ever. And he said they never expected he'd get rid of it that quickly. He battled two forms of cancer. It was about six months of brutal treatments. He's happier, healthier than he's ever been right now, seven years later. And how can I get on in fetal position and cry and be upset because we're down a little money or, you know, we're struggling like that. And it's all perspective. Yeah. If you want to pivot like you're talking about, it's the perspective yeah. that you have. And between the word of optimism, my father's positivity and us already going through it, bring it on. Let's what's next. What, what do we yeah. get to do now? 
And that's why I said, guys, what do we get to do now? That was the excitement. What do we get to do now? That's that's what you had said that prompted that. And one of them that I went on, I was speaking with a an educator. He's he's a high school teacher, but he also has a whole platform and he speaks and and writes books and does those sorts of things, right? And and I said to him, you know, I hate to be that guy, but I have a lot of friends who are teachers, so many friends who are teachers. And for the last 10 years, 15 years, all I've heard from my teacher friends is the educational system sucks. It doesn't serve students. It doesn't serve teachers. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. And for the last three weeks, all I've heard from those same people is, when do we get to go back to doing that? Yes. I'm like, what What are you talking? Does it wait? The big pause just happened. Yes. This is what you've been waiting for. Why wouldn't you take this opportunity to think about what you would want to do instead? This is what you've been waiting for is this moment to reinvent how education works because the rules were just wiped out. Yeah. All the rules that were in place yeah. were wiped out. And what's really frustrating is now in January of 2021, education didn't change. Yeah. Yeah. It really didn't. They're just kind of doing the old thing with a webcam as best they can until they can get back. And it's really sad to see. But many of them haven't developed the muscles. So for instance, the muscles that you develop, yeah. the muscles that you develop. I mean, that's why anytime you go through a real challenge, you gotta say, oh, I'm, I'm building muscle right now. I'm building muscle yeah. for the next time. And so I, I don't know if we would have been able to pivot and handle what we did if we didn't go through the adversity that we went through five years ago. Right. And, you know, I'm going to bring something up here because I, as part of the Pivot Project, I'm also interviewing uh, folks who are um, not folks who have gone through pivots this year as as you have, but folks who are experts on things like resiliency, who mm -hmm. study that, who research that. And so I'm also talking to those people. And I spoke to, uh, 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 she goes by Dr. G professionally, and uh, she's a practicing family physician, but also an expert on resilience and speaks and writes and does all that. And, you know, she brought something up that was a total light bulb moment for me. And I, and it, it reminded me of what you just said, which is you said, you know, we've gone through adversity, so we've built that muscle. And she said, this is one of the misconceptions, not what you said, but one of the misconceptions about resilience is that simply by going through adversity, you build muscle. And she said, it's not the case because everybody can, can think of someone they know that constantly goes through bad situations and yeah. never seems to get any yeah. more resilient. You have to intentionally become more resilient as a response to adversity. You have mm. to choose to do it. And there's a lot of various, there's lots of techniques you can use for it. So you've made the choice over the years to grow from adversity, to build the muscle mm. of resilience. Um, so have I, and many people have. And some teachers have, but the educational system has not. They're, the system is so resistant to change. Mm. I don't think, yeah. Well, no, I, I, think, I think you're so spot on, Brian, because there's, there's two types of people often. There's problem finders and there's problem solvers. And yeah. so many times in a business, you'll have someone come and you say, hey, this isn't working. Okay, well, what, what you, thank you. We, you know, hey, this is what's happening in the world. This is bad. And so that's going through adversity, seeing the problem. It is a first step, but how do you solve the problem? And entrepreneurs have to learn that because their life, their business, their livelihood depends on it. A lot of times, uh, employees don't have to. So we try to teach them to understand, all right, when you come to us, say, here's a problem, but here's a potential solution. And so that's building a muscle of here's the adversity, here's what we're going to do because of it. And that's, I think that's a little bit what we tried to look at and teach our team. The, the big pivot is we immediately started asking, our question, asking questions and say, all right, what's wrong with the industry even more? What's the challenge? If our whole business is dependent on live games at a certain period of time, we're in trouble. And so you think about what mm. the, the, the question we started asking, all right, first of all, A, what was the immediate pivots that we could do? And here's a, here's a quick funny story. Um, 
we had an idea of Palooza. I said, what can we do? And our most popular drink at our stadium uh, is called the Slippery Banana. It's all alcohol. It's literally all alcohol, but it tastes like a banana pina colada. People love it, all right? And so our director of operations says, hey, why don't we, uh, why don't we do a drive-through? I go, a drive-through with a slippery banana. I go, a drive-through with, is that even legal? That He's like, well, actually, the law right now is allowing people to do that, to actually, you can come and pick up beer. And I go, I go, he goes, yeah, I go, try it. He goes, all right. So he put our slippery banana. We had it in our closet. We still had all the liquors ready. He made it. We announced it on our Facebook. We said we have 100 mason jars, 10 bucks a piece. The first car showed up at 2 o'clock. The event wasn't until 5.30. So it was gone in 23 minutes. Jonathan's like, let's do it again next week, but we'll double it. So we went to 2.50. We had a little bit more than double. First car showed up three hours early, sold out in 20 minutes. So then the next Thursday, we said, all right, Let's just do 500 and see if people show up. It's a shelter in place. You're not even supposed to leave your, your like, it was crazy. <laughs> it's a shelter in place. But we got slippery banana and we put it out there 500. We got a monsoon that night, like three inches of rain. People oh, showed up, all 500 sold. And oh I was like, wow, this showed something. This is a product that we have. So we immediately started talking to distributors. And then we came up with the idea, I was like, well, what else? And so we said, can we make a Savannah banana cream soda? So we actually worked with a group that made a Savannah banana cream soda. You know, what are these other things that can build the brand? And so now that's selling. We just had an order for 400 four-packs of cream soda just the other day. So it's, they're going all over. So it was like, what is happening? So those were the media pivots. But the big yeah. question we asked, and again, some of this, I mean, it worked okay. I mean, that's not a huge amount of revenue when you look at it, but it, it, it you know, gave our brand to more fans. The big question we asked is, our leadership, how can we be a 24-7, 365 brand? Most mm-hmm. teams have a season. And they're irrelevant during the offseason. So when you think about what you do, how are you irrelevant other times? So we said, we don't want to be irrelevant. We want to stay relevant year-round. So we asked that question. And my wife, Emily, she said, well, why do we have to have an offseason? And so we said, well, what if we played games year-round? So what if we traveled on the road? What if we did all that? And so we actually had a game in November. We announced it Fansgiving. We had no idea who was going to play. But we said bananas versus pilgrims. We're going to throw out the first rock, have a Plymouth rock. We actually decided to starve our fans for the first 66 minutes in the honor of the 66J journey of the pilgrims and then have a giant feast. Fans lined up to come to this. They couldn't eat. We were throwing rations of bread and candy corn, but they showed up. The, the 1,500 capacity that we were doing sold out in 24 hours. So it, it, was, it proved that fans will come if you actually provide something. It's November. It's not who you're playing. So we proved that and so in the One City World Tour. And so it was asking those questions. And we're asking, you know, well, what about how we show a game? Why does it have to be the way it's always been done? Baseball games are boring when you watch them live, and they're boring when you watch them on TV. So we said, well, what if we had drones during games? And we said, well, can you do that? I go, well, why not? And I remember the first night we put drones. We developed a Bananas Insider subscription model, $5 a month. You get all the games, all the content. We put that out there. We had the drone, and the umpires come running off the field. Jazzy, what's, what's going on? There's drones here. One guy thought we were being attacked because he was in the military before. He thought there was drones. I go, no, it's just filming the game. He goes, well, what happens if the ball hits it? I go, I don't know. Make up a rule. Dead ball, call it whatever you want. I go, let's just do it. And then we started miking up players because we thought if we could let fans know what the players are saying and thinking. Yeah. Then, then we said, can we actually let fans choose who's going to pitch and who's going to hit and what the lineup's going to look like? And I'll never forget, <laughs> we put it in front of all of our insiders, Bananas Insiders. We posted it and we said, pick the closer for tonight's game. And they picked the guy from University of Georgia, and he was a great pitcher for us. Unfortunately, he let up six runs in the ninth inning, and we lost the game. So our fans actually helped us lose a game. Our coach was like, Jesse, what are you doing for me? But we question all that. So now we have an insider model, which we're one of the only teams that has actually, on Facebook, 
You $5 a month, you can see all of our games, our content, our behind the scenes. That's going strong with our new games. And it all happened that we wouldn't have done any of this if we didn't go through the challenges. And so that's, that's part of the pivots that we did. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I got, I was just so excited that you guys made it through and got back to <laughs> actually having a game that I forgot that there was more to do after that. It just seemed like so triumphant that you, yeah. you like this year, like the 2020 was for so many people. If I can just get back to baseline, yes. that's a monumental success, which, so I, I kind of <laughs> forgot that you went above and beyond the yeah. baseline. You didn't just get back to where you were. You just found all these, these new, yeah. these new avenues. And, and a lot of the folks I've talked to have brand new businesses and products and services they could have never imagined before. Yeah, and, and I didn't share the biggest one. And I completely forgot, but what if you always play like you have nothing to lose? What if you play that you're okay to break the rules? See, when, when the world is kind of in a weird st you know, state, you can yeah. try more things because this yeah. isn't the way it's supposed to be. So the biggest yeah. thing we did is we actually invented our new game. We, we said baseball's too long, too slow, too boring. So we invented a game called Banana Ball. And it's the same main gist of baseball, but it's a two-hour time limit. If you win the inning, you get a point. So first team to five points wins. You can't step out of the batter's box. You can steal first. Um, no bunting. If you bunt, you're thrown out of the game. All right? <laughs> if fans catch a foul ball, it's an out. So we involve the fans. And <laughs> instead of extra innings, we have a one-on-one -on -one showdown. Pitcher versus hitter. No one in the field. So it's like a penalty kick. And we developed all these crazy rules. And we said, let's just try it in front of fans. So we had an exhibition. Our fans went crazy for it. They loved it. They, they, they stayed to the end of the game, which fans never stayed to the end of the game. So we had our right. whole crowd was there because it was only two hours long. And so now we played that three times this year in exhibitions. Now we're doing it on the One City World Tour and we're doing it with a new premier team, not just college guys. And that is a test that we did that's now something that probably, I hope, is the future of baseball because it's a more fun, more entertaining and better game. That's so awesome. First of all, I would go see that. I mean, <laughs> I, I grew up playing baseball and loving baseball, but I stopped watching it for all the reasons you've talked about. I just got to a point where like, I don't have five hours to watch yes. something this slow in my life. Yes. I just don't, you know, football's hard at hard at getting hard enough. Yeah. Like it's, it's just get, even though there's so much more action in football, it's just getting so long. You're that I, I, I still have my hand in the magic community. I've done more magic shows this year than I had in the last five or six <laughs> years, uh, because so many people came to me that used to be my clients and said, listen, we know you're not really doing magic shows much anymore. Um, but you're the only person we know that understands anything about tech, you have a podcast, you have a YouTube channel, you have all this stuff. Can you do a virtual magic show for us? And I went, sure, because I had nothing else. Everything had been wiped off my calendar. I went, yeah. And um, and now I do a ton of virtual magic shows. It's a whole big part of my my business now, which is amazing. I don't ever want to go back to doing in-person magic shows because virtual gave me this whole <laughs> new platform because the restrictions are so, give you so much more creativity. They give you yes. so much more room to play. Yes. And more importantly, um, I had so many magicians coming to me early on and saying, I want to do virtual, but like, I'm not ready. Like, I don't, I feel like the show's not good enough to be charging someone to do mm. this virtual show. I, I don't think it's a, I said, good enough. What? Your clients have never seen a virtual magic show before. There's never been one ever. There's no rules. They don't, they don't have a reference point. They don't know what to expect. And just go, whatever you do, that's what virtual magic shows are yes. as far as they're concerned. That's what they are. Why wouldn't you just play? I have friends that just did their first virtual magic show like this week. They waited nine months of this. And I'm like, what are you waiting, waiting for? for? Yes, yes. 
I mean, go, go, go. <laughs> I mean, constraints foster creativity. You know, when you get a constraint, yeah. it brings out creativity. And uh, Jeff Bezos said it best. He said, our direct success of Amazon is, is the amount of experiments we do per year, per month, per week, per day. So how many experiments yeah. are we doing? How many experiments are we trying? So uh, I'm with you. By the way, you mentioned the magician. I mean, we are looking for a magician, a bananas magician, uh, a yellow top hatter character that literally just does magic all the time, like literally in the stadium. So if you can help us find a magician uh, for the bananas, that would be great. I I will remind me about that, yes. and I will I will think about my network of uh, Georgia based uh, magicians uh, that that are are uh, well. Right now, most magicians, most entertainers would be willing to do almost anything for a paycheck. So I'm sure dressing up like that will be no issue right now. Yeah. Um. So here here are the three questions, and the first of these three questions are is probably. Uh, for most people has been the hardest. Mm. Uh, feel free to take a minute to think about it. Um, I will cut out any awkward pauses unless it's particularly funny, in which case I'll leave it. No, in. let's hold as awkward um, pauses possible. Maybe I'll make, I'll make a weird face while I'm pondering too. Make the pondering Yeah, I'll make the pondering from, like, face. Cartoons. Yeah, um, as a man thinketh. Okay, so how would you describe your 2020 in one word? <laughs> oh, you would go there. Uh, Whoever says the most in the least amount of words wins. So I love that quote from Jeff Rosenblum. Um, yeah. Awkward pause. Awkward pause. Oh, sorry. So I was like looking down. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to own one, one of the words that we talk about always. So I'm trying to. Uh, vision. Why Vision. I like how you gave the ponder and you're like, hmm, I'm going to go further in this one. I like this one. Uh, when everything happened, we had to have vision for the immediate and vision for the future. And we got together as a team and developed our vision for the next five years. And I've never seen our team more exhilarated, inspired, fired up um, to have a vision of what we can do and that nothing can hold us back. And so that was, was that it was that vision to be able to see a lot of people, what they do is they're looking at what's right in front of them and they're not seeing as uh, just watch the queen's gambit. They're not seeing the whole chessboard. And I think we were able to all of a sudden see the whole chessboard and see this was a very small picture of what we're trying to do. And so the vision gave us that opportunity. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you feel like your team then is, is uh, obviously it sounds like your team is more, clear on who you are and what you do as a as as a team as an organization than they ever have been before yeah i mean again what what do you do that's 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 so remarkable that people talk about and yeah i mean the banana cream soda all those little things are nice they're add-ons but it's the show it's the creativity it's yeah. the fun it's watching our breakdancing first base coach it's seeing our luchador coach and our grandma coach and all the circus acts that we have in our game so for us it's we need to bring that to more people in different ways and so that was it I love that the that distinction between the things you do and the way people feel um, in terms of remarkable. Yep. You know, I, I feel like when people think of remarkable, when they read Purple Cow and they go, you know, oh, how do we find our purple cow? And they think of like the the specific, like, oh, if I could only come up with the remarkable product or the remarkable yep. service. But so much more often, the remarkable aspect of your business or of your life uh, is the way that you make people feel when they're around you, when they're a part of you. I got I to jump on that. We say love your customers more than you love your product. We talk about it yeah. constantly. And the name of our company is Fans First Entertainment. We have the three M's for our team. Yeah. Moments, matter, meaning. Create moments that show people that they matter and that'll provide deeper meaning. 
And so, you know, we talk about it all the time, Brian, nothing matters more than yeah. making people feel like they matter. And so if you can yeah. do that, you know, that's game over. Um, I know we're going to go, but awesome. the last game of the year, a gentleman came up to me, um, season ticket holder, big guy, tear coming down his face. And he goes, you guys saved my life. And I'm like, wait, what? What are you talking about? He goes, mm. I was in a very, very dark place before the, the season and a uh, very dark place. But when I found out you guys were going to play, I came out and saw people having fun and joy and people acting like, hey, you know what? We're okay. And I had something to look forward to every couple of days. This brought excitement. This summer, you guys saved my life. And I was like, it had nothing to do with necessarily our product. It had to do with how our product and our experience made them feel. That's, that's so intense. Um, <laughs> man, oh man, what a, what a privilege to be in a situation where you can do that for, uh, for people, especially as what someone would just look from the outside and go, oh, it's kind of a wacky baseball team. Uh, what, a, yeah. what a difference. Um, well, we all do it. We I all do, do it if you put it in perspective. Yeah. If you have the vision of yeah. every single talk, every single person, there's someone that needed that at that point that in rec- not saved their life, but made their life go a different path that will help it pivot. And I think if we all look yeah. at that perspective, every single time we talk, every single time we listen, every time that we hear people, we have an opportunity to save someone's life. That's, it, it makes everything have more purpose. Sorry, I'm getting deep. With the crazy guys no, getting no, deeper. It's, 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 it's okay. Um, I'm going to pull this in here. Normally, I would ask people what characteristics or personality traits of yours would you say were crucial to your survival this year? But we really, we, we really hammered <laughs> that a lot in the middle. Uh, so I'm going to end on, on this quick uh, question here, which is at this point, and you've kind of answered it, but just in one sentence, at this point um, in, you know, we're January 2021 now, uh, we're coming up on the one year mark of COVID and all that. What is the outlook on the future of your business, of the Savannah Bananas? <laughs> I'm an eternal optimist. Uh, you know, in front of me, I have a poster of, uh, I have a custom poster of Walt Disney and it says mm-hmm. vision. It's kind of fun to do the impossible. And every talk I finish with all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. And so mm-hmm. I am eternally optimistic about what we're going to do because we have purpose behind what we're going to do. And we have, a, we have a fans first playbook that we share with all of our staff, all of our players. You know, you can't put on a banana's uniform until you go through our fans first you and you understand why we do what we do. And on the back of our fans first playbook, it says, be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient in how much you give to others. And that, mm. and that guides us in everything we do. We're going to give more to others in this next year and the years to come. And hopefully that'll make a big impact. That's awesome. That's, that's such a good place to end. Uh, Jesse, I can't thank you enough uh, for your time and, of course, for sharing um, and being so open with everything here. Uh, I've been wanting to connect with you for a, for a while now. I'm glad this is the context in which we got to connect. Appreciate you, Brian. All right. Thank you so much, man. 